A lot of people don't know that they're leaving hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the sideline each year by not maximizing their employee benefits. So whether it's their health insurance or health savings accounts or disability insurance or 401k, it's important that you review these and make sure you're getting the most out of the benefits offered to you as an employee. So we're going to talk about that and more on today's episode of the Financial Pathway Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. Hey, everybody, it's Nate Skelly. Welcome to the Financial Pathway Podcast. You know, I was thinking this would be a good time of the year for us to talk about employee benefits because one of the most important parts of your financial well-being is not just what you get paid hourly or your salary, but also the benefits that come along with your job. And so we're in that time frame, that part of the, the year where uh, employees are being allowed to make their selections for their benefits for next year, that open enrollment season. And so whether you're in open enrollment season or maybe you just started a new job or you're going to be going to be starting a new job here soon, this is a good time to review those benefits and make sure you're just maximizing them, making sure you're getting the most out of them. Because again, it's part of your compensation and you are a valued employee. You're bringing value to your job. And so you want to make sure that your compensation is as beneficial as possible. So let's start with health insurance because for a lot of people, that's the most important benefit they look for in their employer. It can be very expensive to try to get health insurance coverage elsewhere. So just remember, when you're picking your health insurance, lots of employers are gonna give you uh, multiple choices under health insurance. There's gonna be uh, maybe two, three, four different plan levels. And so which one do you go with? Be careful that you're comparing your total premium cost, so the total cost of whether they you pay on a per paycheck basis or monthly basis or wherever they, they delineate that. Make sure you're comparing that cost to the total possible cost. Uh, in, in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about health insurance coverage and health sharing plans, and we talked through some of the terminology. Your premiums is, is what you're paying to have the coverage. Your deductible is what you'd have to pay before the health insurance or health care coverage kicks in. You have co-insurance and co-pays that you may owe when you go and get care. And then you're going to have an out-of-pocket limit. So, so when you're choosing health insurance, it's not just, oh, what's the cheapest? What's going to cost the, the least on, on a per-paycheck basis? It's how much healthcare coverage do I anticipate needing? If you're healthy and you don't anticipate really going to the doctor other than maybe for a checkup, if you don't anticipate having any major medical costs, then yes, probably the cheapest plan is going to be the best, but it's also going to have the highest out-of-pocket limit. Meaning if you do need medical care, it's going to cost you more out of your pocket before the health insurance coverage is going to kick in. So if you do go to the doctor regularly or you need to see a specialist or uh, there's possibly a baby that's going to be born or a surgery or something that's going to be major, then maybe it makes sense to go with the the plan that has a higher premium and a lower out-of-pocket cost. So for instance, let's say you've got two plans to choose from. One's $150 a paycheck, one's $100 a paycheck. 
and the out-of-pocket limit for the higher plan is $2,000 a year, and the out-of-pocket limit for the lower plan is $6,000 a year. That means if you go in to the hospital and you've got to stay for several days and there's, there's a surgery or, or some major medical event, if you chose the higher plan, the most you would have to pay between your premiums and your out-of-pocket limit would be $5,900. But with the quote-unquote cheaper plan, between the premiums and out-of-pocket limit, it would be $8,600. So there's a, there's a difference of $2,700 right there. So just make sure that you're, you're comparing those things. I know it's, it's, uh, it's not possible to know exactly what medical care you're going to need, but you should have a reasonable estimate. Is it low? Is it medium? Is it high? And want to make sure you, you make those choices accordingly. Also, when choosing health insurance, look at uh, the cost difference if your spouse also has insurance coverage available through their job um, and the kids as well. So um, if your spouse doesn't have insurance coverage available through their job or they're, 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 they don't work, they're, they're home with the kids, then they should be eligible to have insurance coverage through your work. Um, but sometimes you want to look. If both spouses have insurance coverage, then you want to make sure you, 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 you compare those two. Um, also, make sure that your, your preferred doctors and healthcare providers are in network. Um, sometimes there's a difference in HMOs versus PPOs and who's going to get covered. So make sure if there's a specific doctor or facility or healthcare provider that you're wanting to work with or that you've worked with in the past, you, you want to take, uh, take note of that. Another big thing to factor when you're making your health insurance coverage uh, choices is whether or not you have a, an HSA available to you. Uh, health savings accounts, HSAs are great vehicles. If you know that you're gonna have some medical costs later in the year, so for instance, if you're gonna have a baby uh, next year, what you may wanna do is start putting money aside out of your paycheck into the health savings account and then use that money later on to pay for the medical costs that are, that are gonna be incurred. And this will, make, this will ensure that you don't have to pay income taxes on that money. Any money that you put into an HSA and use for qualified medical expenses is deducted from your income taxes. So that'll save you some money there. And even if you don't anticipate having healthcare costs anytime soon, if you have the room in your budget and you can afford to put some money aside in savings, it's a wonderful savings tool because it's triple, uh, has triple tax benefits. It's tax deductible when you put it into the account. Any interest uh, that's accumulated inside the account is tax deferred. And then as long as you use that money for qualified uh, health care expenses, medical expenses, then it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tax-free when, when you take it out of the health savings account. So I would encourage you to go back to episode 15 if you didn't already listen to that on health savings accounts. Really, we walk through it in much more detail and help you um, understand how to use those. Really, really great. And I would encourage many people to take advantage of those because I think a lot of people are just not even aware of the benefit of those. Another benefit that's great that a lot of people are not aware of or just not really utilizing are FSAs. So not HSAs, FSAs. They are very similar, but an FSA stands for flexible spending account. It's a special type of account that really comes in handy for uh, either medical vision, dental expenses, also dependent care. Here's the big difference though, the big caveat between HSAs and, HSA, HSAs and FSAs. HSAs, you don't have to use that money the same year. 
you, you put a hundred bucks, you put a thousand bucks into the HSA, you can use it that year or a later year. That's fine if you want to hold on to it. FSAs have to be used same year, meaning you shouldn't put money in, F, in an FSA unless you know you're going to be using it for something. A lot of people use it for childcare. So if they have kids that are in daycare, they have dependent care that they're paying for, they'll put money in the FSA and then take the money from the FSA to pay for the childcare. And it, and, and it does the same thing as the HSAs in that that money is not income tax, is, is not taxed for income tax purposes. So it gives you a deduction, lowers your total um, income for tax, uh, for income tax purposes. And, and that's helpful. I think the uh, contribution limit for 2020 for an FSA was $2,750. So, so that's a, that's a pretty, uh, a pretty decent amount that you can set aside for things like childcare, maybe dental work, a chiropractor, things that would fit within those qualified expenses. So be aware of that. That could be a, a simple change that you make and just sort of rerouting money that you know you're already going to spend to get that tax deduction. Now, along with health insurance, a lot of employers will also offer a dental and or vision plans separately. Usually the health plans are not going to cover dental and vision, so you got to buy a separate policy for those. So should you get dental insurance? Should you get vision insurance? Well, it's, it's going to depend. Like the health insurance coverage, you got to compare your expected cost to the cost of the insurance. So, um, so for instance, let's say the dental coverage is going to be $20 a pay period, plus there's a 30% coinsurance. So whatever you pay, or so, so whatever dental care you, you, you get, 30% of the bill you have to pay and 70% the insurance is going to pay. Well, is that worth it? Because if it's just you and all you're going to do is go in for a routine cleaning and checkup, that means you're going to pay $520 that year in premiums, plus you're going to have to pay 30% of your bill. Was that really worth it for a simple checkup and cleaning? Well, no. So in that case, you probably don't need dental insurance. But if you're getting dental insurance for your family and one of your kids is going to need uh, braces and or Invisalign or uh, there's going to be trips to the orthodontist, well, then maybe the dental insurance is going to be worth it. So, so again, you're going to have to do a little bit of a comparison. What's the expected level of coverage versus the total cost that I know I'm going to have to pay by having this plan in place? And uh, just make sure you look at that before just opting in. So I think sometimes people think, Oh, dental, vision, yeah, uh, that's good to have that insurance in case I need it. And they don't really do any cost-benefit analysis on what they're going to have to be paying for for that insurance in the first place. Now, uh, beyond the health and dental and vision insurance, probably the other big benefit that people are most aware of and, and want the most is the retirement plan. So whether that's a 401k or a 403b or a simple IRA, usually 401k is the most common, but a retirement plan. Now, uh, first and foremost, if your employer offers you a match, you, you've got you've to take advantage of the match. If, if your employer is offering, let's say, a 3% match, that means you take 3% of your paycheck and put it into the retirement plan, they're going to match that amount. They're going to double your money right off the bat. That's the best thing going um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a no brainer. You've got to take advantage of the match, um, if at all possible, but something else you want, may want to consider is increasing your contributions. If you're making elections for next year, you may want to bump it up a percentage or, or two and, and really ramp up your retirement 
uh, savings because that's one thing that um, will really, really benefit you in the long run. So uh, if you've got margin in, in the budget and you can uh, afford to increase your contributions, you may want to look at doing that. Another thing you may want to look at is if your retirement plan offers Roth contributions, you may want to consider doing Roth contributions. Really, the difference between a regular 401k contribution and a Roth contribution is when you're getting your tax break. A regular contribution, you're getting your tax break now. The money you're contributing into the retirement plan gives you a a tax deduction for this year. But then later on, when you take that money out of the retirement account, then it's going to be taxed as income. But if you do a Roth contribution, what you're saying is, no, no, tax me on this money now. And then later on, when I take my money out of the Roth account, then it will be tax-free. So it really depends on when you want the tax break. If you don't anticipate being in a high tax bracket or needing a significant tax break for this year or for the coming year, then maybe a Roth contribution will be beneficial and and give you a bigger tax break later on when you may need it more. Another thing that's that's good to do in this open enrollment season is to evaluate your investment allocations. Where are you putting your money? In which funds? Did you just ask your coworker what he did and then just went with that? Did you just kind of take a glance over the menu and pick the one that sounded the best? Make sure you're you're investing your money inside your account properly. That can make a huge difference over time. Um, I, I've definitely seen examples firsthand of people that were pretty close to retirement and the, the way they were investing money inside their retirement accounts was very, very aggressive and did not line up with their their plan or their their risk tolerance at all. And I've also seen people who are who are young in their 30s and their 40s and you know they're putting all their money in government bonds and 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 it was way, way too conservative for them. So that can make a huge difference over time, how you're investing money inside the retirement plan. Now, if you are just not knowledgeable at all, if you don't even know where to start, a good default option is a target date fund. A lot of employer plans will offer target date funds. The way that works is it's designed for somebody who's supposed to retire around a certain year, whether it's 2040 or 2050. Or, you know, and, and the target done is target date fund is labeled that way target date fund 2030, 2035, et cetera. And so you pick the one that's closest to the the year that you would retire and it will be more growth oriented the farther away it is from that year and the closer it moves towards that year, the more conservative it gets. So that's a good default option. But if you have a financial advisor that will give you advice on your 401k lineup and menu of, of fund options, it's a good idea to ask them as well. And maybe they can give you some more specific recommendations. But make sure you're you're aware of how the money is being invested inside your retirement account. Uh, and then also make sure you list beneficiaries on your account too. It's very easy to do, but it's also very easy to forget. Um, that way you're, you're designating where the money is going to go if something happens to you. Because if you don't, then it's up to the law of your state and that may or may not coincide with your wishes. Another thing that... Um, that you may be making a a selection on whether you're starting a job or just in open enrollment is the number of allowances that you want on your paycheck. So your employer is going to have you fill out the form W-4, you're going to fill out your name, social security number, and then there's going to be an option for the number of allowances you want to take. And, and you know, what is an allowance? Typically you, you, you consider yourself one allowance, your spouse is another allowance, the number of, you know, each child you have is another allowance. But 
it's not that, that's just a, a kind of a, a general guideline you don't have to select that number so for instance I'm married with three kids there's five allowances but I wouldn't have to uh, write five I could write zero I, I could write seven what's happening here is the more allowances that you claim, what you're indicating to your employer is that they should withhold less taxes from your paycheck. What your employer is going to do is based on the number of allowances that you write there, that's how they're going to calculate how much is being withheld from your paycheck. So less money being withheld and being sent on to the federal government means that you'll have more in your paycheck coming to you each each two weeks or month or however often you get paid, but it increases the chance that you'll have a higher tax liability at the end of the year because you didn't send as much on ahead. Um, or, or at the least, you'll not have as big of a refund as, as you've had before. And then the opposite is true. If you claim less withholdings, if you put two or you put zero, then that means your employer will be withholding more from your paycheck. They're sending more on ahead to the IRS. And then when you do your taxes at the end, at the end of the year, that means either you'll owe less or you're going to have a bigger refund. So ideally, you'd file your taxes at the end of the year and, and it would show that you've paid exactly the right amount of taxes for the year. You don't owe any extra and, uh, and, and you didn't pay more than you need to throughout the year. Because when you're getting a refund on your taxes, what that means is I took money out of my paycheck early, gave it to the federal government, they held on to it for me. And didn't pay me any interest, so I gave them an interest-free loan, and then they gave it back to me when I filed my taxes. So that's not great. I would rather have my money now than have the federal government holding on to it for a few months and then giving it back to me later. But it's hard to calculate. Of, of course, it's very difficult to know exactly how much you're going to need. So generally speaking, here's how I would I would say to approach this. If you typically get a large refund, then consider claiming some more exemptions, so that you get more from your paychecks now instead of having to wait until tax filing to get more of that money back. But also on the flip side, if you've been unpleasantly surprised by large tax bills at the end of the year, well, then maybe you should be taking less exemptions so that you're, pay, you're prepaying taxes uh, more evenly throughout the year. So hopefully that makes sense and it'll help you when, when you're, you're making that determination. A couple other important benefits we should talk about Life insurance, a lot of uh, employers offer a group life insurance policy that's very affordable. Now, typically what you're going to see is as a default for being an employee, they're going to give you a certain level of coverage, usually a pretty low amount. Maybe it's 25000 or 50000 or one time your, you know, whatever your salary is or two times your salary. Just no cost just by being an employee. That's a benefit that comes along with it, which is certainly nice. But a lot of times they will also offer you the option to elect a higher amount uh, that for an extra cost per pay period. So maybe it's $5, maybe it's $10. And instead of getting $50,000 of coverage, maybe you can get $200,000 or $400,000 or half a million. And they usually, they, they usually cap it at maybe it's half a million or a million is the most you can get. But it's really affordable. I mean, for, for the amount of coverage that you're getting, it's really not usually a, a lot of money per uh, pay period to get that extra coverage. So I would encourage people to to look at that. If um, 
if you have dependents. Now, not everybody needs life insurance. If you don't have anybody that financially depends on you, whether that's a spouse or kids or otherwise, then, then you probably don't need life insurance. But a lot of people do have at least somebody who depends on them financially, at least partially, and so that, that's helpful to have that. But if you do have dependents, then you should have a separate life insurance policy anyway. Don't just have group life insurance through your employer because if you lose that job and you lose that life insurance coverage, well, then there you go. No more life insurance coverage. So it's great to have both. And usually term life insurance is going to be the best way to go. Term life insurance is cheap. It's simple. It allows you to have a very high coverage amounts, adequate coverage for your beneficiaries. And then in addition, if you can get that extra life insurance through your employer, uh, even better. So, so definitely want to take a look at that. Closely related to that life insurance is disability insurance. So regardless of whether you have dependents for, for the life insurance question, disability insurance is an important consideration for everybody because if you're disabled, well, then that's affecting your income. So uh, disability insurance is going to provide you a monthly amount if you become disabled. And the rates through your employer are, are typically pretty low for this type of insurance. So it's, it's similar to the group life insurance. You get a pretty good discounted rate. And uh, if you're the primary income source for your family and you do have dependents, then I would especially uh, encourage you to, to strongly consider this benefit for a lower cost per pay period that, that adds another level of protection. Um, in, in case of, of, of an emergency type situation. Now, there are other benefits we could talk about. Um, lots of things that companies offer their, their, employer, their employees these days, so, so we can't talk through every possibility. But the ones that we just mentioned are some of the biggest ones, some of the most important ones, and some of the most meaningful ones. Make sure you take time to look through them. During this open enrollment season, don't just skim through or just be like, well, whatever I had before, that's what I want for this year. Think through it. Things change. Your situation changes, and and you may just not have been aware that there was something that could be really beneficial that you, you just haven't been utilizing yet. Talk to your HR department with any questions. They're there to help. They're there to be a resource. They're probably not going to give you advice on which options to take, but they can at least inform you. Uh, and don't feel bad doing this. I mean, you are bringing value to your company as an employee. This is part of your compensation. You should avail yourself to any and all benefits that they provide you. So make sure you're thorough. And also, one more thing, make sure that you're when you're making selections that you check when and how often you can make changes to those selections. So for instance, if you're expecting a baby in 2021 and you want to start putting money into that health savings account, $100 per paycheck, well, maybe when the baby comes in June, then you want to stop doing $100 per paycheck. You just want to make sure that that's okay and, and what you need to do to, to, to make that switch and how often you can make changes to those contributions. Same maybe with your 401k. Maybe you're wanting to beef up your 401k contributions right now, but later on in the year, you're planning to buy a new house and then the mortgage payment's going to be higher. So maybe you're going to scale it back then. So just be aware. If you're going to make these selections, you're going to be putting a certain amount of money per paycheck into any of these types of accounts. When can I change them? How often can I change them? Just, just make sure you're aware of that. Now, uh, stay tuned for some upcoming end-of-the-year themed episodes. I've got a couple in the works right now. We're going to talk about some other financial changes to be aware of. We're going to talk about what a Biden presidency could mean for your finances. So that's a really important one. We'll also talk about some end-of-the-year checklist items for you to be aware of as you 
plan and make goals for 2021. So I hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying healthy and enjoying this holiday season as we prepare for Christmas. Hope you have a great day and I will see you on the next episode.